Queen City Nerves News Hounds is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. And welcome to Queen City Nerves News Hounds podcast. Just another episode. I can't remember the episode numbers anymore. We're getting high up there. It's 58, 59, 60, but it's going to be a good episode. Um, I am here with two guests today, two new friends that I've made that I'm excited to chat with. Um, first, we are here with Dana Dre, Executive Director. Chief Program Officer. Chief Program Officer <laughs> with Metrolina Association for the Blind. And we are also here with Rosebud Turner, a local creative author, artist, uh, who has been around with some of the programming that MAB does, that Metroline Association for the Blind does as well. How are you doing, Rosebud? I am great. Chief blind person for the day. Chief blind person for the day. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on with us. Thank and, you. And uh, Dana, how are you doing? We're, your office is just right down the street, so that worked out well. It is a hop skip um, from <laughs> us, and I do walk by here frequently, mm-hmm. so I'll come by and say hello sometime right. in the future. And that is, yeah, look forward to it. That is sort of what kicked this whole thing off and how I became aware of uh, your organization is you guys were hosting, I believe it was April 20-something, at the end of April, you guys were hosting a uh, walking arts tour for blind people or people who dealing with visual impairment, um, low to no vision, and this is a... It's it kicked off right next door, which is what I'm trying to get to, which mm-hmm. is how I sort of became aware. And I was wanting, hoping to make it out, ended up sending Nikolai and we did a story. Uh, we'll link it in the in the podcast post for folks who haven't read it yet. But tell me a little bit right. about what that tour was like. And I'll we'll get, go back and forth from both of you because you were there as well, Rosebud. I wasn't at that one. There oh, was you didn't. You went before. to the first one. Mm-hmm. OK, yes. cool. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that, Dana, just yeah. what that consists of. So um, this was a collective effort um, for a few organizations in the community. Art Walks, uh, Charlotte Ann Lowe there um, with her facilitation and knowledge of murals. Mm-hmm. Um, Disability Rights and Resources, who did the audio description because they have certified audio describers that work in the community. It was an idea that I had uh, many months, maybe even years ago, Uh, Based on an experience with a friend that we kind of went out for the day and uh, touring arts, and she just happened to be visually impaired, so I described the Black Lives Matter mural to her. And it was an incredible experience. Um, And so that kind of planted the seed, like I said in the article. And through the partnerships and funding through the Arts and Science Council, we were able to do two of these tours, uh, one in the fall and one in the springtime. And really, you know, um, the experience was, and I'll let Rosebud as a participant, but as part creator of Mm. this, it was incredible to see how it all came together. The first event, we didn't actually have a mural artist on hand, but the second event we did. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning and watching the artist learn about their art in a new way and give some additional context and um, with Anne's, you know, great knowledge and the audio describers rich text, Mm -hmm. 
just really allowed us to experience in a whole new level. Right. And that was Sydney Duarte, right? It was. Gotta give her a shout out. I've known her give since. Give her a shout out. Yes. I've known her for years. I used to go to cookouts in her backyard and she lived in my neighborhood, but she's great. Oh, really? Um, so Rosebud, tell me a little bit about what the experience was like for you, because this is not, as I mentioned before, you are, yourself are creative. This is not something where you're just sitting at home waiting for MAB to come save you. You're an arts patron here in Charlotte. Uh, as it was mentioned in the article, go to many performances and things oh, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, so I assume you heard about this through MAB. I did. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience going to there and, and how it worked out. Right. And I was excited because I've always loved all different types of artistry. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, being unsighted, I can still appreciate music. I can still appreciate uh, plays. I can still appreciate narration when it's on television, depending on, you know, whatever it is I want to see. But visual art, it was lost mm -hmm. for me. It, it really was. And I missed it. Um, it's just always been something that I love doing anywhere. And just for context go. for our listeners, mm -hmm. this is not a condition that you were born with. You have been sighted in the past. Right, uh -huh. right. Yeah, I lost my sight 16 years ago now mm -hmm. from diabetic um, retinopathy. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I. Um, <laughs> it was always kind of an inner sadness that I felt, and no one knew, because what would be the point? But whenever I would hear things on television about something new, that was coming to Charlotte, and it was visual. And I'd always say, oh, I wish I could, you know, appreciate that. And so when this opportunity came about the murals, and I knew that Charlotte was had a wealth of murals because I had heard about it. Right. But, um, again, it just was not for me. And when I heard that it was a possibility, I truly was very excited. Mm -hmm. Didn't exactly know what to expect, but, you know, Dana is phenomenal with knowing how to put things together for people who have sight loss. And I couldn't wait to sign up. I mean, it was one of those things in a newsletter when they say, we can only take six or we can only take mm -hmm. three or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. you know, <laughs> me. <laughs> so, um I was really, really excited, and we had to have our own guide at that time because of COVID and all that, um, and so I brought a friend, and we, it was beyond phenomenal. There were things we could actually touch. We started with the uh, library, mm -hmm. you know, with the um, the things that are outside, the big pen. And oh, the, the inkwell the, and the pen, yeah, typewriter and the keys typewriter. over I mean, by Imagine could touch that. It was mm -hmm. it was great. And then just going on and on, once we um, could hear the the descriptions of the murals that, of course, we couldn't touch. My first thing was, who wrote these descriptions? Mm -hmm. I mean, I am a writer, and so mm -hmm. I appreciate good writing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still would love to know who wrote those descriptions. They were wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I it it truly implanted. The painting, the mural in my head, it was very clear so much. And I knew that it wasn't just me because we had legitimate questions based on the descriptions that we heard, you know. Right. Um, and these were through uh, earbuds? No, no. It was a live person. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. 
uh, and we could, you know, ask questions to that person. I mean, mm-hmm. she wasn't the artist or anything, but, um, you know, but there were just certain things. Like I remember one where there were either five or six women in a row. Uh, well, females, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, we wanted to know, were, were they in a sequential order because of some purpose? And, you know, what did this one have on as opposed to that one? And what were the age ranges? And what were the races? And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was wonderful. It right. was, you know, other than me being really old and out of shape and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> having to walk to the next mural, um, it, it was an experience that I'll always value and hope to do again mm-hmm. in a golf cart. Right. <laughs> yes. nice. Those, uh, that description was done by those folks at Disability Rights and Resources. Mm-hmm. And, is that um, a local organization? It is. Okay. Um, another advocate for mm-hmm. individuals with disabilities in the community. Um, and so, you know, those describers are, are certified, but that came with a lot of thought process because if you think about murals and you think about what are they trying to convey, that's mm-hmm. usually a personal uh, lens, right? right? And so it it was three people, um, Samantha, Julia, and Marty that did those. Um, And, you know, they they had full-on sessions to discuss what goes in, what stays out, what's the context, um, what's important, what's not. And the mural that Rosebud was talking about with the seven women faces, Mm -hmm. it sparked a a big conversation because they described five of the ethnicities of the women. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, participants picked up and he said, if there are seven women, why did you only describe five Mm -hmm. ethnicities? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we got into a discussion. Well, we didn't know what the other ethnicities were. Mm -hmm. You know, we could almost say with... Um, Definity, the five. Oh, right. Okay. And then we got to discuss what that was. And by the way, that participant that asked that question has never seen a face. Mm-hmm. He was blind from birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's what art is about, yes. right? Sparking those very deep conversations and understanding others' perspectives mm-hmm. um, and, and really just trying to get deeper mm-hmm. into the meaning of life. Just out of personal curiosity, what, which mural was that? Was it on Aerial CLT? Yes, okay. that's it. I know exactly. Yeah. Well, um, so what you had explained sort of how you got the idea for this art walk specifically, but how did you personally get into this advocacy role, or in, how did you get interested in doing this sort of work with your life? I um, growing up, my my grandfather um, by genetics passed away when I was three, and my grandmother remarried, um, and the individual that she remarried, was a um, blind um, Korean war veteran, but he was in the Italian army. Mm -hmm. So he was from Italy. And really, you know, I would help him out quite a bit um, growing up. And, you know, we certainly learned to um, interact with somebody with vision loss, but it wasn't an aspiration. Um, I had lived, I guess, I mean, I'm really not that old, but a pretty full life um, up to the point that I was, um, I think, 32 when I arrived in Charlotte and um, had a technology background from being in the military and then working in IT for a while. Mm -hmm. And there was a job posting here for an assistive technology consultant working with people with vision loss to put them to work Mm -hmm. um, through technology. And I had all the skills needed 
And I really wanted to go um, into the helping profession. So that was about 17 years ago. Um, since then, you know, have met a lot of people, but I've also understood the um, lack of awareness surrounding people with disabilities, um, lack of employment, uh, especially those with vision loss. And it just became a charge for me, a passion. And then of course, all the amazing people that I've met along the way um, to help champion just made it that much easier. Right. And Rosebud, you, um, we talked a little bit in, the, in my car on the way here. I broke a little bit of my rule. I try not to have too much conversation <laughs> before a podcast because you, so you lose the interesting combos <laughs> that could that be in there. Is that why I felt like I was talking to myself? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but you had mentioned some of your past that so you were a teacher at one point or uh, yes. what, what, what brought you here to this point? What were you doing? What have you done professionally in a creative sense? Because you've got so much stuff just in your email signature alone. <laughs> I was entertained by being able to discover some of the work you've done. Well, I retired from Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. Mm -hmm. um, and so most of my career has been with them. I started in education in Florida. I'm originally from Tampa, Florida. But uh, when we moved here... Um, you know, my kids grew up with Charlotte McMurray Schools. At that time, it was actually very difficult to find a teaching job. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked in as a teacher in a Catholic school. Um, at the time, I was a practicing Catholic, so that made it a little easier uh, for right. them to hire me. <laughs> um, and I liked that uh, beginning because it was a small environment. And it really did allow all of us lay teachers to do things that we were interested in other than teaching. And I started getting uh, involved with plays and even then. Mm -hmm. I've always loved music. I've always been singing a lot. Um, so, you know, all of those things have always been of interest. But once I could get a job in Charlotte Mecklenburg, I stayed there. I taught in the classroom probably 13 years, 14 years, whatever, mm -hmm. um, received a master's degree and some graduate certifications and all that, eventually got into training. And that's where I was allowed to really become very creative mm -hmm. um, because I never liked being handed like lesson plans or anything that somebody else already did. <laughs> and I was supposed to, you know, read it like a script. As a trainer, I wrote all of my trainings, mm -hmm. everything, um, and it just grew from there. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even think I knew that I could write well right. <laughs> until, I, until I had to. Um, so there have just been many, many avenues as an educator at Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools during those good old days that allowed me to just spread my wings. Right. Um, and I stayed there even after sight loss. Um, the last seven, no, four, four or five years uh, is when I lost my um, sight. It was the last four or five years before retirement. Mm. And I was determined I was going to retire on time, not early. Um, and that is when I met Metroline Association for the Blind. I had absolutely no idea. I lost my sight rather instantly. Oh, okay. Um, I would say it took maybe 
four, five months of surgeries. Um, and then I would see and not see and whatever. Um, and so I was a director of 30-some people. And the, <laughs> the department had been created for me by the superintendent. Mm. Well, I wasn't going to leave, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I was just starting to do all that I wanted to do with that department. And so my older sister did some research, found out about um, Metroline Association for the Blind, and um, they did on-the-job training. I, I think I may have stayed home because of blindness two months. I just wouldn't allow myself to wallow mm-hmm. there, and I, I needed to get to work. And so MAB uh, signed someone to me at Charlotte Mecklenburg, you know, paid for all this. And um, so this particular person spent one day a week helping me with mobility mm-hmm. so that I would know how to maneuver by myself um, to my conference room, my office, the bathroom. I always thought that probably would not be a good idea if I had 35 people that I supervised mm-hmm. to ask them to show me Take to the bathroom right. at the same time that I might have to put them on a plan. <laughs> so, so that wasn't going to be smart. Um, so one day was for mobility. Another day of the week was for technology. And uh, so I learned how to use the computer without a mouse and all that. And I had never typed in my life. Um and so that that's that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. And I stayed until it was time for me to retire. Right. And what was the experience like for you in terms of um not only creating art but patronizing art um and you know attending public performances plays? Well, again, of course you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. I did not know anyone blind, so mm-hmm. I didn't know what was possible. Um and it was, you know, talking with some of the MAB staff and the teacher that I happened to have at that time. Um, and, you know, I, I never even thought about asking, well, how can I go and see a play? Again, I, it, it never occurred to me mm-hmm. that any of that was possible. I might have would say things like, boy, I really miss not being able to see Porgy and Bess, if mm-hmm. that was, you know. And, uh, and then that topic would come up. Um, and I don't know when um, narration became or description uh, became available f- at the plays, but whenever that happened, um, I was shown how to, you know, make arrangements for that. And for me, you know, <laughs> show me, and if it's something I'm interested in, I'm just going to take off with it. Right. Because I love plays. Right. Um, and, you know, the musicals and all that. So, it's and it still is for me step by step. There's still so much I don't know, mm-hmm. and of course technology keeps changing, and so there's just always more to learn. I have to admit, sometimes I'm tired of learning. Right, <laughs> I just wanted to stop. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I just saw um, what was the play? The Waitress. Uh, the waitress. Yeah. Thank mm, you. Yeah, and um, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the you know the music was phenomenal and uh, and it was described um, as as I watched it and it was a play that I needed the description some things you don't need description okay, for you can sort of follow but, along and, yeah and look, but yeah. this there was so much going on mm-hmm. and there was so much laughter I would have been upset 
you know, right. like, why are they laughing? You know, <laughs> what am I missing? So, uh, so yeah, it's, you know, there's still more for me to know what's available out there. But this mural thing was just the, the most recent and the most joyous. Right. And there is, um, I've, in my experience, I guess, from the outside, I've, I've spoke a little bit to you on the way here. I have a, uh, one of my closest friends uh, was hurt badly in an accident and uh, uses a wheelchair now as a, a quadriplegic. And, and, you know, going out with her, I see some of the accessibility issues that that folks just might not notice on any given time uh, with her. Obviously, it's specific to everyone's needs or or what their ex- lived experience is. With her, it's one of those things like you go into a bar and if there's only high-top restaurants, you turn around and leave. Uh, we have a columnist here in with Queen City Nerve named Ricky who writes about her experience with deafness and some of the more things that we might think of as more mundane or, or take, take for granted and that she affects her life greatly, whether it be communicating with a doctor or whatever. Um, and then as far as blindness, I also, you know, I was telling you about my friend, that same friend's mo- mother who's blind. And I've, I have some other friends who have dealt with um, uh, debilitating eye conditions where they're sort of in in the middle, one who doesn't have uh, peripheral vision and, and sort of going out or night vision, doesn't have vision at night. Um, or peripheral vision on top of that, mm. and sort of you know hanging out with her on an at a nighttime is just an entirely different experience. And any, basically, what I'm rambling to get to are what's what are some of those accessibility issues that um, you think may be improving or may still need a lot of work, whether it be locally or non-locally. Uh, I don't know that you can speak for everywhere other than Charlotte, but what are some of those accessibility issues for folks who are unsighted who don't? don't think about, that other people don't think about. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I am the best person to answer that, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. I will answer it the best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, because of, I, I am older. Um, yeah, I I've, I've meet a lot of younger people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. and even 50s, and and some of them live by themselves, as, as I do, and others live with their parents or whatever. So all of these conditions make a difference. I was able to retire, as I said. Right. Um, a lot of blind people are not. So I actually have someone who assists me one day a week. We run errands. He drives my truck. It, you know, I know that I have some advantages hmm. that others might not. So I'm not often in a position um, where I'm never out walking around on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Um, whereas many blind people do. Right. And so they would be the ones, I think, to tell you about how is transportation. I don't catch the... STS buses, mm-hmm. I, you know. Um, I don't have a dog. So, you know, those kinds of things I can't relate to. For me, the thing that I have dealt with, and I am an advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm an advocate for others if these things happen to them. And that is how I am perceived by the sighted world. Right. It is as though, I mean, I'm, I'm still the same rosebud. 
I still have the same level of education. I still have the interest that I had. I still have humor. I still love all that. You know, all that's the same. Mm-hmm. And yet I am sometimes spoken over in I'm, I do write poetry. There's a poem that I wrote called Invisibility, and it is about how I never thought I would not be seen Mm. by those who can see Mm. since I lost my sight. And that's the kind of thing. It's it's like when you have um, a doctor's appointment and elderly people say this, I'm not young, but I'm not elderly either. Mm. You, all, you, you all figure it out. Right. <laughs> you can see. Tell me. <laughs> You're young. My final I, answer. I, I, I feel it. Trust me. But you know how sometimes if you have to take your mother or your father to the doctor and they tend to talk to you mm. and not them? Oh, right. That is what happens, used to happen. It doesn't happen as often anymore because I stop it every mm. time it does. Um, where a friend of mine and I may be going to a restaurant and they see two women and it's, hi, how are you? And as soon as they guide us to the table and I might take my cane out then, mm. and suddenly it's like I disappear. Mm. And they will ask my friend, do you think she wants water? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're going to give her the bill? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that is what bothers me. Right. So I don't have the, you know, just because of some privileges that I, that I do take advantage of. Mm-hmm. But I, so I don't have those kind of mobility things. But it is truly the way you are mm. perceived. Right. Um, and you just seem to disappear. And I've heard similar things from uh, folks I know who use wheelchairs mm-hmm. and feel people literally and figuratively looking over them and just sort of ignoring them, their existence as mm-hmm. they pass in the street or, or hallway or in an elevator, what, whatever it may be. Right. Um, you can't speak for yourself. You can't mm-hmm. make a decision. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> um, just in terms of technology, I know you said it can get uh, tiresome to keep learning because I feel that way even as <laughs> just using normal technology. Um, but do you feel like that um, we are making leaps in terms of what that gives more access to, whether it be being able to have uh, narration for a play or oh, things yeah, like that? Oh, yeah, the things that we are able to do as being mm. unsighted with technology is phenomenal. Mm. It's just, for me, it's another thing to learn. Right. You know, and I'm thrilled when somebody, and it's always somebody who's unsighted, and they're younger, and they already know how to do this stuff. And they'll say, oh, well, Rosebud, you know, you you can do so-and-so, or did you know you can do so? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. You know, how many steps? Right, you know? how long? Yeah. So, so, no, I, I'm thrilled. I always mm-hmm. tell people two things. If you had to go blind, do it now <laughs> and mm-hmm. in Charlotte. Right. I'm really, oh, really? Okay. oh I'm very serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've talked with people in other cities or when I would go visit my Sun, you know, or it, it, anywhere. And I might say, um, you know, is there an STS kind of bus or, you know, whatever? And they're like, what? Mm. And even when they look it up, doesn't exist. I have been to New York, Broadway, trying to figure out, do you all have description? Mm. I still haven't found it. Right. And I have seen many plays on Broadway. And sometimes I have to ask, you know, the person I'm with, what happened? Mm. 
mm. you know, which is horrible. The right. tickets are even more expensive. Right. <laughs> and oh, sure. I don't even yeah. have, and I don't have descriptions. So I, I really mean that. Mm. I think Charlotte, and I haven't been everywhere, mm-hmm. but it is phenomenal in terms of what it tries to do for the unsighted. Don't mm-hmm. know about wheelchairs or anything like that, but I'm, I'm very, very pleased. Mm-hmm. And Dana, has that been your experience in the advocacy side of things? I, I assume you are in contact with folks in the advocacy world outside of Charlotte, anywhere across. Has that been sort of your experience in terms of uh, city officials, city leaders, and or advocacy, advocacy leaders putting that effort in on a higher level? I think, you know, um, bottom line, the heart of Charlotte is in the right place. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always catching up and understanding from different perspectives of what is truly needed. Um, You know, a lot of the times something will be in place, but, you know, the middle step is not there. So (laughs) all those good intentions don't really net the benefit for the individuals involved. What's an example of that? An example of that is um, an adaptive sports program that's geared for people with disabilities that's Mm -hmm. not accessible to sign up for. Oh, right. (laughs) Um, You know, those kind of scenarios where um, it takes a lot of energy, to Rosebud's point, from the perspective of the person that has the visual impairment to learn and to understand, um, you know, because you have your access, you have your literacy, you have have the ability to institute all of those things. And it's the same thing for the sighted folks. Mm-hmm. You know, they really need to understand all the pieces to what really goes into that access piece. And, um, you know, with technology, there's a lot of steps to consider. Is your website accessible? Is your registration form accessible? One of the things that I've been working on, and this does lend to that heart piece of Charlotte, is um, we're a member of the Charlotte, um, the Center for Digital Equity. And their charge is to make Charlotte the most digitally equitable city in the nation. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, part of that is bringing along individuals with disabilities. So you can have the, the broadband access. You can have the device. You can and and you know you can get the training, but if you have no sight or have another disability, you have an added step and much more to consider. Mm. Um, but you know all of those efforts are in play. It's just really putting those pieces together, and if you don't have those experts or resources to reach out to, mm. then you get that circular where people you know can't schedule an STS ride because the app hadn't been tested. And I'm not saying that's the case because they are working with us to test it, but, you know, transportation, technology, um, employment, all of those are very um, big issues for individuals with vision loss. And um, it really takes extra effort to Mm. get it right. And I'm sorry, go ahead, Rose. I was going to ask Dana, and, and, and is part of that finding a way for these organizations or whatever, because they really do have the right incentive and heart, but they need someone who is blind, in my case, and savvy enough yeah. to tell them that, because they'll, they'll do it thinking they already know X, Y, Z. Let me give you an example, because when I'm on, on um, I was talking to PayPal today, <laughs> and um, th- 
I can't always maneuver it because my program will say, you know, link or uh, click here. Well, when I try to click there, it it doesn't work. Mm. And so I was talking with the PayPal guy, and he was very nice. And what they tend to do is say, okay, are you online? I'm like, yes. And he'll say, well, look to your top left. Oh, right. <laughs> and I'm like, no. The program doesn't work See, that way. You know, my eyes don't work that right. way. Yeah, I exactly. don't know where top left is. Mm -hmm. So it's that. To me, I get a lot yeah. of that where it's like if you had just had somebody, you meaning PayPal, had had somebody or several somebodies to figure that little piece out. So, because they think they've got it, but they don't understand the language mm -hmm. that they're using um, to make it all work. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it's a win-win um, if they were to want to fix it. And the thing that you talked about earlier with younger people who have trouble getting careers right. to just hire the same way you hire a social media department and have three or four young people who are in charge of just Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, mm -hmm. hire three to four folks who have lived these lived experiences, uh, be it so one true. down the line yeah. so that you can talk to the folks. Cause that's half of what Ricky uh, writes about in her column about living with deafness is just dealing with institutions and or companies who don't have anyone who knows what she's going through. Yeah. And there are a lot of organizations instituting that, mm -hmm. um, having, you know, accessibility, um, you know, divisions within the organization mm -hmm. so that they can address those um needs as they arise mm -hmm. and just be proactive too, you know, when you're building things. So my argument has always been, um, you know, we have to hit it from so many different directions and teaching people that are doing programming that accessibility is number one, right. you know, that's the first rule of thumb. Can mm -hmm. everyone access what you're building? Okay. Then you can go to the next step. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, we've, um, <laughs> we've learned a lot just from this article that Nikolai wrote because, uh, I was always putting in alt text just to match up with our SEO, with our search engine optimization, because that's what my SEO app told me to do. It like sort of runs along with our WordPress and says, have you done this? Have you done this? Make sure to put your keywords in the alt text. Well, I didn't, I didn't really realize oh. that, the, that the alt text is also what it's really there for. Exactly. And ever since that article, we've been trying to um, uh, really work the alt text the way it's supposed to be worked. Um, and... We also reinstated our uh, Audible option where you can listen to articles if you want to. We had it as a paid option previously. Mm -hmm. It was sort of bugging out on our website a little bit. We just took it off completely and now we've reinstated it. But I, I just, it's just one of those things. That's not, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it because it wasn't a priority of ours until we happened to write that article and really understand where you're coming from with that sort of thing. And there's, Lord knows how many, I mean, how much media do you consume, Rosebud, where there isn't much accessibility or alt text, things like that? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But what it, you're defining to me also are the all the different levels of awareness. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, it, when you were describing those letters, I didn't mm -hmm. know. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. so and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because you, you, you go through things and you do think, okay, I'm doing this because now I'm aware of blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And then you get to something that's, oh, there's another level of awareness. Right, yeah. You know. 
And that's it's an interesting aspect to uh, – I'm not sure which person in the article was talking about it that Nikolai quoted talking about the, the challenges of this descriptive writing. Um, and I don't – did you guys do the caps or the descriptions for the second tour or was that also the same? No, that section? was all disability okay. rights and resources. Um, and, and that was Samantha Nevins, their executive director, Samantha I Nevins. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just talking about that uh, – oh, maybe it was her that was actually discussing this in the article – talking about that balance of writing the right kind of description and knowing exactly. what's needed to be said and not trying to to be like too flowery poetic with it and like get carried away but also describe things that need to be described right. it's it's a tough balance to strike that's exactly right and it's perception so mm-hmm. you know for example one of the um, murals we had was the Thanos mural that's on Central Avenue and um, you know even from a sighted perspective is Thanos in anguish or is he celebrating oh right, right. Um, and so again back to those robust discussions and you know I think that's where you know having the right individuals on the project like Anlo um, from Art Walk Charlotte, where she was able to give context about the the person that actually painted it, you mm-hmm. know, what right. is their background and why they kind of did it and things like and that. And then you have to describe all 17 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe leading yeah. up to Thanos. Yeah. And, and by <laughs> the way, my first audio description, because a lot of the journey for me has been having the experience, not the full experience, of course, but mm. really kind of trying to go through it was The Passion of the Christ. I mm. actually, um, quote unquote, watched with audio description. I thought oh, my wow. brain was going to blow. Really, it was so much. I was like, I can't process all this information (laughs) right now and the emotions. Right. Um, So what are some other um, projects that that MAB is working on uh, currently that are, I don't want to say pioneering necessarily. It might be a little dramatic of a word, but just that you guys are setting goals in the coming year. We, um, so, you know, with respects to the art projects, MAB has traditionally had a partnership with the Beckler Museum where, you know, there was an actual tactile tour where, you know, the art pieces were allowed to be picked up Mm. and touched by our clients and no one else. Mm. Um, So that was pretty, um, you know, impactful. And then we did, um, when the immersive Van Gogh was here, we helped out and did a project with that. They actually already had the audio description for that, which was great because describing that was a lot. I'm sure, yeah. Um, but I only saw know. the preview. I didn't even make the full one, but the preview was overwhelming. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, really trying to make sure that post-pandemic we are meeting the needs of our clients first, you know. I mean, that just getting back into the swing of things to get those basics, like, that benefited Rosebud in the beginning, because you have to have that groundwork. You know, people need to know how to get around before they can enjoy uh, the the tour and things like mm-hmm. that. But um, one of the things we just did, in fact, today was one of the sessions is a, uh, it's a diabetic education program mm-hmm. where we've partnered with, um, you know, a healthy um, cooking class, um, you know, because there's, and, and then yoga and some other things. A lot of times um, in the space where there's diabetes and vision loss, it can become a very big slippery slope where people aren't able to manage their medication and continue to be healthy, and then they just continue to get sicker and um, lose vision faster. So we are always up to something, um, and you know, love the feedback from our 
our clients and or, you know, Rosebud as a friend, our friends, um, to help guide us in, you know, what does the future look like? What do they want? That's really kind of my perspective in a lot of those things. Right. And Rosebud, what do you what have you been working on? Because it seems like you've always got something in the oven in terms of children's book or any creative works in the well, yes, yes, poetry uh, and oh yes, yeah. Well, I've been writing poetry forever, but a lot since age twenty one. Um, it just started happening. I used to write narratively, and suddenly I would sit down and try to write a short story, and it turn into a poem. Mm. So I stopped fighting it. Nice. <laughs> so, and uh, so, yes, my most recent book, I do have two children's books, um, but my most recent book is uh, definitely, as I say, an adult book, and it's called The Other Woman, uh, a memoir in poetry. And it talks about um, four women, an enabling wife, an adoptive mother, an enlightened friend, and a resurrected woman. And all of those women have been an army. Mm. And so it, um, I went back and resurrected poems that I had written in the past, and then I continued writing up to yesterday. Um, and so they are sectioned off into those four women. And basically, it is a book. It is about my experiences. But the reason that I wrote it as a book to share with other women, and it seems to be working in the way that I had hoped, that although they're my experiences, the emotions are universal. Mm. And so... Um, the cover of the book, you will see there are four faces, and there are three faces that you don't see the full face. And the point of that is because in my life, and what I found out with other women, is that there have been times, intentionally and not so intentionally, where we've had to reduce ourselves, or we thought we needed to reduce ourselves in order to help somebody else in the family who might have some issues. And what happens with that is we cut ourselves short. We are not as beneficial to the person we think we're assisting. And we continue to shrink ourselves. And once I realized I was doing that in those roles of an enabling wife and an mm -hmm. adoptive mother, and the enlightened friend is when I lost my sight. Uh, and I became my own best friend. And it is when I finally slapped myself mm -hmm. in the face and said, you got to stop this. You know, you're not you're not doing what's right and best for you, nor for anyone else. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then that ultimately has led to what I believe is the resurrected woman. Mm -hmm. So and that's still you're still putting the. Oh, no, it's ready for it. Yeah, oh. no, no, no. It can be found um, oh, okay. yeah. on my website. Um, it's an easy website, rosebudturner.com. Okay. And 
soon as you type that in, you'll have links to that book and the children's books. I'm going to check that out. You absolutely should. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I mean, and Rosebud did not pay me to do this, but <laughs> you could not. That's why she was I on mean, PayPal I earlier. bought three of those books. Um, that poetry is very impactful. Um, Rosebud, would, would you... Um, feel comfortable and or do you know the both hands poem by you don't know by heart that one um you know the the signature um line and it says um you know it it, it's based on you bring something in one hand you bring changing hands changing Mm -hmm. hands thank you rosebud and then you bring something in the other hand and the last line says um well, will I ever be good enough for both for hands? Both hands mm. yeah. It's really... Because uh, I would get presents yeah. in one hand and the alcohol would be in the other. Mm. And, I'm looking know. forward to checking this yeah, out for you sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I really appreciate y'all coming in. And this is short notice as always. I say that to all my guests because I'm bad. <laughs> I'm so bad about booking on short notice. But I really appreciate you guys. We're both very eager to come and, and chat with me. And I really appreciate that. It means the world. But uh, is there anything we haven't touched on y'all think is important to mention before we go? Mm. No, I, this has been a joy for me. I'm, I'm, thank you for the invitation. I think it just comes down to the awareness, you know, mm. trying to bring the thoughts of, um, you know, what if I had to do insert action without my vision? Mm-hmm. Um, what if I was somebody trying to access um, the bus and get someplace? You know, just that awareness and empathy piece. Um, but it has been a joy for me any time to spend time with Rosebud, and I kind of Absolutely. like you too. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I've been. I've, well, I've is loved. He, I feel is, like is he cute? Is what it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I told you on the way I was taken, Rosebud. I told you on the way here. Uh, but I really appreciate it. We'll make sure to link to you. you just heard Rose, RosebudTurner.com, and what's the Metrolina? Uh, www.mabnc.org. Right. And we'll link to both of those within the Queen City Nerve post. uh, If you're listening to us on Spotify, whatever. QCNerve.com. You can find it all there. But I really appreciate both of y'all coming in. It's been a blast. Thank you you so much. Cheers. Cheers. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.